Awesome. Well, today is January 1st. It's New Year's Day. Now, on, during our River Night services, we have been going through Nehemiah, you may recall. We didn't have river service last week. We had Christmas, so I want to refresh your memory a little bit. And we also have been doing a series within the series about how to handle difficult people. Does anyone remember that? Well, today, it's January 1st. We're going to start a little bit different, okay? I'm going to take a step back, and next week, we will begin again talking about how to deal with difficult people, okay? We still have two more, at least two more weeks on dealing with difficult people. We've got how to handle uh, manipulative people, which should be a lot of fun, and how to handle hypocritical people. So that will be a lot of fun too. But today I want to change gears a little bit. And Jessica, if you'd please help me. We have some note cards here. And if we could all get two. So two for each person. Awesome. So today we are beginning a new journey a new 365-day journey around the sun. That's what happens every year, by the way. (laughs) Um, Normally, this time of year, we have a lot of um, focus on New Year's resolutions, right? Which often revolve around what are we going to do, right? We're going to do something more or do something less. We're going to exercise more and we're going to eat less, right? And this, or maybe the other way around, right? Um, we have these different things where we focus on what we're going to do. But today, I want to change gears a little bit as we start this new year. And I want us to think about who. Who, say who. Who, who do you intend to impact with the kingdom of God? Who do you want to see come into the kingdom of heaven this year? Not about what we're going to do. Maybe we'll talk about that another time. But this year, this day, tonight, I want us to begin to think about who God has put around us that maybe they're not, they haven't received Christ yet. And you know this, and you've been praying for these people. Well, today we're going to take a next step. So New Year's resolutions are often what? They're all about me and me and me and you and you and you. This is going to be about other people and seeing them come into the fullness that God has for them. Are we still here? Stay with me. New year. This is a new year for everyone, everywhere. Take a look at what Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says. This is in the Living Bible. It says, And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. So Jesus said that he wants us to share this good news with everyone everywhere. Now, here's what I want us to do with these cards. Jason, why do we have these cards? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Okay, thank you. So what we'll do here is I want us to begin to think about, from now till the end of the service, I want you to think about people that you want to see come into a relationship with the Lord. Okay? And then what I'd like you to do is write on one of these, their names, 
okay? Um, it doesn't have to be their full name and their social security and all of this, but just whatever you call them, all right? Uh, coworkers, friends, family, we're going to write them down on one of these is going to be for you, and one of them is going to be for me and Jessica. So you don't have to put your name on it, okay? You don't have to put their full name on it. But what we want to do is begin to pray over these people. So Jessica and I will be praying over these people with you as well, okay? Something happens whenever we write these things down. Take a look at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. So I want us not only to write down the names of these people, but I also want us to start praying and envisioning them uh, receiving the Lord. Literally, in, in envisioning them, having a vision about it, has to do with our faith and our expectation. There's Sometimes there's things that we pray for, and then when it actually happens, we're surprised. We're like, oh, I didn't expect that. No, we want to begin to pray for these people and begin to even envision having a conversation with them. For, for a lot of us, that might be difficult already just to have a conversation. But we're going to begin to envision them coming to church, envisioning them receiving Christ, envisioning them uh, receiving a healing, whatever it may be. We're going to write it down. Are we still here? Okay, look at the way this is written in the Living Bible. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, in the Living says, Write my answer on a billboard. Write it large and clear. So whenever we're, we're going to write these down, I want to encourage you to put it in a place that you're going to be seeing it. Okay? So maybe this is, you put it in your Bible. Maybe you're going to put it on your mirror. Maybe you're going to put it in your makeup bag. Ladies, not guys. We don't need to. Maybe you're going to put it um, uh, somewhere that you're seeing it regularly so that you can be reminded, like a billboard that you pass every day. We want to be reminded of these people and to pray for them. Also, look how this is written in the Message Bible. This is the last translation of Habakkuk 2.2. And then God answered, write this, write what you see, write it down in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. Say, on the run. Say, on the run. You guys sound so sad. On the run. Thank you. We're going to re write it so we can read it on the run. See, the enemy wants us to be busy all the time and not focused on what really matters most. Keep in mind, Jesus did not ask us to make New Year's resolutions. Jesus didn't say once a year, make a plan to diet more and exercise more or to read more. Or, he didn't tell us to do that. But what Jesus did tell us to do is to share the gospel with everyone, everywhere. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Take a look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15 in the King James. It's what I just said. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, the gospel means the good news. Sometimes we get confused and we think, okay, if I'm going to... to share the gospel, this means that I have to begin to uh, preach the Bible to people, or I have to have a degree in theology, or I have to know, and then we can become um, 
overanalyzing this and paralyzed. There's something called paralysis by analysis. Okay, there's a new word for you. Paralysis by analysis. Well, it, this is made plain. Jesus said, look, I don't want you just to, to go into some theological debate. Simply share with people the good news. Now, if someone is sick, what is the good news? If you're sick, good news would be that healing is available. That your healing is on the way. That Jesus can and will and wants to heal you. If you're having financial problems, what, what is good news? Good, good news would be that you could be debt free. That God has a plan for you. To prosper you and not to harm you. To give you hope and a future. It would be something like this. Good news for someone who is, who is covered with guilt and shame. What would their, what would their uh, good news be? That there's forgiveness available. This is good news. The solution to all of our problems and to any problems that we might be facing is Jesus Christ. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with him. All right? Take a look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Are we okay? Are you still here? You all still happy? Okay. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you, and we beg you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. Okay, he uses this word that we're ambassadors. This is a place of responsibility. An ambassador is someone that is a representative of their leader. Okay, so if, if we had the ambassador of the Philippines here, wow, we'd say, okay, hold on, this is a representative. They're going to be coming, they're going to be kind, they're, they're, they're going to be a representation of the Philippines. If we have the ambassador of Texas, which I don't think is a real thing, right? But if they were here, we would expect them to be polite. We would expect them to wear a cowboy hat. They would be representing where they're from. In the same way, Paul says that you and I are called to be ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. We're also called the body of Christ. Think about the important role that we play in evangelism. How is God, how does God love someone in your life? Well, He does it through you. How does God encourage people who don't read the Word of God? How does He lift them up? Through you. How does God smile at people? If they're not reading their Bible, they don't know anything. How, how does God smile at people? Through you, through your attitude. I need God to smile at me right now, that's for sure. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Are you okay? Yes. January 1st, here we are. We're going to see people changed in Jesus' name. Now, some people think, they have the idea that, well, the only way that I can share Christ with people is by scaring them into heaven, right? We've got to dangle them over the flames of hell and say, look, this is real bad. This is what's happening. Now, if... If it was scaring people that would lead to repentance, we would have seen something different with Jesus. And if it was scaring people that led people to repentance, we could just get everyone in a jeepney and drive around, and I'm sure they'd be scared enough. 
then they would receive Christ. Or maybe driving in the car with my mom, who drives fast. But what we don't see is we don't see that in Scripture. We actually see that Jesus never points out people's faults that he was trying to reach. The only people that Jesus begins to accuse and all of this were the Pharisees, the people that were not interested in what Jesus had to say. We never see Jesus shaming or belittling people. He simply gave them the good news. Say good news. Good news. Amen. Take a look at this. This is an interesting statement that is made by Joseph all the way back in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He said, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Jesus would take what the enemy meant for evil. He would take the different problems and the struggles, and he would turn that around to bring people into the kingdom. Are we still here? This is the good news. Jesus did this same thing over and over again. He used their problems to share with them the good news. You remember the woman at the well? Okay. Okay, I'll tell a joke, okay? So we can smile more. I need God to smile at me through you, okay? So there was a, a woman getting married. And, of course, all of the planning, we know how weddings go. It's crazy. She wanted to have a wedding cake, okay? So she got in touch with the baker, got a big cake, and she wanted to have 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 written on the cake. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, um, Perfect love casts out all fear. Oh, so good, right? So she, she tells the baker this. The baker calls her. And says, are you sure you want this? Chapter 4, verse 18? She said, yeah, I want it. She's like, well, it's, it's a lot. And he's like, can you make the cake a little bit wider so we can get the whole verse on there? Perfect love casts out all fear. Okay. So they brought the cake, and you could only imagine how shocked she was when it wasn't 1 John 4, 18. It was John chapter 4, verse 18, which says... For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. <laughs> All of that to say, it's important that we are reading the Bible, right? That we know the difference from 1 John and John chapter 4. Okay, whenever Jesus uh, interacts with this lady, she'd had a rough life, right? But Jesus didn't come up and start saying, hey, look, you're in trouble. You're not doing this right. I'm mad at you. We're coming to get you. No, it was his kindness that led to repentance. Amen? Now, these days, people would say someone like that, oh, could they even be accepted in church? They certainly couldn't serve in ministry, right? But yet Jesus speaks to this lady, and she goes and spreads the gospel throughout her city. Through all the Samaritans are then hearing the good news of Jesus Christ because God, because Christ had this interaction with her. Okay. To everyone, everywhere. Amen. Again, begin writing names down. We're writing names down, believing that these people are going to be changed, that we're envisioning them, that we're speaking with them, we're sharing that living water with them. That we're seeing them come to church, come to Christ. 
being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, a couple more things here. Some of us know people that are sick and are not serving the Lord. God can use any of these struggles to bring about people to come into the kingdom. We see this with the the man that was paralyzed. And his friends cut a hole in the roof and they lower him down. Remember the story? Jesus comes up and he says, Wow, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, Be healed. The man's healed. But God can use any of these situations. In fact, healing is often a great tool that is to be used to see people come to Christ. I mean, people would come and listen to Jesus speak. They would listen to him talk just so they could get prayer afterwards. People go every year. Thousands of people go to healing crusades. Why? Do they want teaching? They want to be healed. In the same way, if we know people who are far from the Lord and they're sick, hey, this is an opportunity for us to pray for them, to see them healed, to say, look, God has been good to you. He loves you. This is awesome. I think it's awesome. Healing is a witnessing tool. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, that's where we get the, the, uh, the first verse that I read about going and sharing the good news. Look just in a couple of verses later. Mark chapter 16, verse 18. It speaks about healing. It says, They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. It's in the same conversation. Jesus says, Go and share the good news, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And we got, of course, about serpents and everything. We're not going to start handling snakes at the church. Okay? But what this has to do with is, hey, whenever we're interacting in daily life and there's things that happen, there's sicknesses that are around, we can hold on to what the Word of God says and we can walk in health and healing. Amen? Amen. Okay. For those that are praying for family members, I've got good news for you. We have got a great picture of someone interceding for a family member and seeing them uh, released from uh, the oppression that they were under. In Mark chapter 7, verse 26, it says, There was a woman who came because her daughter was demon-possessed. It says, The woman was Greek, born in Syrophoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Now, we may not know anyone that has a demon, okay? But we certainly know what it's like to have family that is oppressed. And what does it end up doing? It ends up tormenting us. Notice it was the mother who came and who was crying out, Lord, please do something about my daughter, right? And we got wonderful kids here, but maybe this could be for our kids' friends, right? Maybe this could be for a brother. Maybe this could be a cousin, a family member that's far from the Lord. And it is being a torment to us. Because we want to see a change in their life. Well, what we see here is this lady goes to Jesus and says, Will you please see that my daughter is healed? Jesus first, he says, Well, you know what? This really isn't for you. You're you're a Gentile and I've come for the Jews. But nevertheless, as she persists, the Lord healed the daughter. Amen. This is a great picture for us that we too 
can be those people that intercede for our loved ones and will see change take place. Amen? Okay. All right, I'll give you just one more example of people that are struggling and then, and then we'll close. You okay? Have you ever done this before? I've never had this on a, on a, on a New Year's. It's always been about setting our vision board, setting our goals, right? Hanging up pictures of the new shoes or the new car or the new house. And yes, I'm going there. Yeah. Hey, let's get focused on those that are around us. The, those that the Lord has entrusted us with. Amen? Amen. There are some people who are sick. We want to begin to envision and pray that they would be healed and receive Christ. There are some people that have had their dreams and their hopes shattered. Even this past year with COVID, there's been people who have lost their jobs, have had lost their homes, have lost relationships, have had a big struggle in their life. Uh, God can come into any of those situations and bring restoration. Amen? We see someone, we see Peter is a great example of this. Peter was sold out to the Lord. In fact, at one moment he says, in Matthew 19, he says, we have left everything to follow you. So here is this man who was totally sold out for Jesus. But then whenever trial came, whenever struggle came, whenever Christ is crucified, he's now no longer actively walking with the Lord. Now he's in the shadows cussing, right? He's saying, I don't even know him. I don't even know the Lord. In the same way, there's many of us who have friends and family members that were once close to the Lord. People that have had a relationship, they've been active with the Lord. But for whatever reason, they've been shattered, their dreams have been broken, they're, they're, they've, they've been let down, and here they are now struggling. And it would be my prayer that we would begin to see them come back to the Lord. That we would begin to envision having that conversation with them that we would begin to believe and pray that they would receive the Lord, that they would be excited about the things of God. I'm not talking about us coming up with a clever way to word the, uh, or, or, to word the gospel. I'm talking about us praying and believing and seeing a sovereign move of God in their life. Amen? Yes. It's good news. Okay, very last thing that Jesus says to us about being salt and about being light. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. I want to illuminate this verse for you, and then we will, um, we will uh, wrap up, okay? Here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. It says, You are, say, I am, the salt of the earth. Amen. But if that salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Say, I am the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light Shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. Jesus compares us to two things. He says we're salt and we are light. Now, let me help you with this idea about salt. 
Because now, modern times, we use salt primarily for cooking and primarily as a condiment, right? We're just going to season whatever we're doing. But more so than this, in the time of Jesus, they did not have refrigerators, okay? So salt was actually used for preserving meat. So they would have a piece of meat. And what they would do is they would begin to cover it with salt. They would rub that salt all over it, and it would preserve the meat. Now, as soon as that salt came in contact with that meat, a change began to take place. That now it was being preserved. Now insects and flies weren't going to come and make their home inside the meat. It was safe. Now, interesting thing about this. Jesus says that we're salt, but notice this about the meat. The meat has no say in if it's going to be salted or not. It's just dead meat. In the same way, God has positioned you in a certain place around people that God wants you to rub with so that the Holy Spirit can come upon them. Take a look at this. You are the salt of the earth. Uh, the word earth here is this Greek word, G-E, ge, and it means region. The Lord has placed you in a region, in this earth, here at this church, wherever you're at, wherever you're going to go, the Lord has placed you there so that you can be salt to those people. They have no option, the people that are around you, they are here, or they are around you, they have no option but to be positively impacted by Christ through you. Right? They have no choice. You have the choice on whether or not you're going to be salty, whether or not you're going to show light, but they have no choice on whether or not they're going to absorb it. So let this be in our mind that we're going to continue to be people that are salting those around us. That we are called to be those that would see others preserved, kept from harm, kept from the, the, the locusts, the flies, everything that would come and try to steal their harvest. God has put you around them so that God can rub off on them and they can have a relationship with the Lord. Amen? Amen. This is not just something Jesus said this is something Jesus did. He had 12 disciples, and he rubbed off on them, didn't he? Have you ever heard this about rubbing off on other people? This is exactly what Jesus did. But it took three and a half years. It took three and a half years for the disciples to have a full change in their thinking. So don't expect it to happen overnight. Last thing, you are the light of the world. You are called to bring illumination, light, enlightenment to all of those that you come in contact with. The word I like that's used here for world, you are the light of the world. It's this word cosmos, it means arrangement. That Jesus has arranged your world so that you would be there bringing light, bringing illumination, bringing the Spirit of God into all of those situations, wherever it is. You are called to be light. You are called to be salt. So, Take advantage of those opportunities. But let's also begin to pray for people more deliberately. Yes. Amen? Yes. All right, we are wrapping it up. We are ambassadors of Christ. You are His loving and hugging arms. Amen? We're going to write people's names on here. Uh, we're going to collect one. The other one I want you to take. Put it somewhere that you see it often.
You don't have to write on there everyone's information, right? So they're like, hey, what is this? Is this some kind of hit list or something? What is, why is my name written on here? Right? It's okay. You can put it somewhere that you see it, that you know what it means, and that you can begin to pray for these people. And not just pray for them, but begin to envision the change taking place. Begin to envision that restoration taking place. That they would be reconciled to God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Brand new kind of thinking for the new year. It's all about me, me, me. No, hey, let's do what Jesus said. Let's begin to see those around us. Everyone, everywhere, begin to have a relationship with the Lord. Amen. Would you please stand with me? I'm so glad that we get to have this time together. January, the first day of the first month, of the first year of 2021, yeah? 1121. We get to do this together and we get to now have a new perspective that we are going to begin to pray for and believe for transformation in the lives of those around us. Amen? No matter what the situation is, know that God is bigger. He is higher. He is stronger than any other. Let's begin to pray.